Welcome to Refocus. I'm your host, Trevor Wilson. This is a podcast of Sunday school lessons that I've taught, some sermons that I have preached. Uh, I have various guests at different times. Uh, Basically, the, the whole idea is to just kind of refocus back on the Word of God, going back to those Bible stories, studying the scriptures. Let's just, just kind of get out of ourselves, out of our own thinking, and go back to the Word of God and see what He has to say. I love those old Sunday school lessons when we were kids. We seem to have gotten away from some of those, just the bare bones bottom of what the Word of God, the meat and potatoes, if you will. So I hope you enjoy it and pass along and share. Now, let's get to the lesson. Hello again, Steve Wilson coming back. Looking through the book of Matthew, we're in chapter 24. We have progressed, let's see, down through, well, 29, I think. But, um... And honestly, I think we really only got through 28, so let's pick up in uh, 29, verse 28, and prior to that, we're talking about um, things that happened mostly during the, the uh, tribulation, um, the coming of the false prophets, and the emphasis on that. And so he continues then in um, verse 29, he says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days shall the sun be darkened, the moon shall not give her light, and the light, let's see, and the stars shall uh, fall from heaven. The powers of the heavens shall be shaken, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. And then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Now, this is different from the rapture. And he's describing, uh, of all the things that have happened during the tribulation, and of course we didn't get into all of that in detail, as I've been referring you to Revelation and Daniel and other places with regard to that. Um, but um, this is kind of the culmination of all the destruction and devastation um, and, and things that occur um, you know, to mankind and, and all the tragedy that is seen during that period of time when he talks about the stars falling from heaven and the heavens being shaken. Um, there's a battle that occurs at the end of uh, the tribulation called Armageddon. Um, and without going into great detail, God comes down out of heaven at the culmination of that battle, and it's kind of World War III kind of situation. Um, and it says, and then shall appear the sign of the Son of Man in heaven. This is not the rapture. In the rapture, only the saints see Christ as he comes and we meet him in the air. Here he comes down actually to the earth. Um, and it says, then shall all the tribes of the earth mourn, and they shall see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. So all the earth, saved and lost, everybody's going to see him and know who he is. And he's going to come down and claim victory in this battle, which, by the way, we as the saints who were raptured out and who passed on before are going to come out and be, come back with him and be a part of that army. So, I mean, that's just, I'm so excited to, you know, be a part of that someday. And I can't even describe 
what that's going to feel like or how that's going to be. Uh, but, but man, it's something beyond our own possible imagination. But nonetheless, he does come back. He does claim victory. Um, and it says in verse 31, And he shall send his angels with a great sound of a trumpet, and they shall gather together his elect from the four winds from one end of heaven to the other. Um, so we're, you know, the, the, the saved are all going to be gathered together with him. We're going to pretty much like step over the line to the side of his army uh, from you know, where we are um, and be a part of that, that final victory. Um, so in, then in verse 32, he kind of, he's, he's finished up this whole rapture, tribulation, end of tribulation preparation for the millennium which is kind of we're going to talk about that again here in a few minutes hopefully um and he's saying okay because remember he's talking to the apostles here and he's describing an event that they're you know they're going to be coming back as just part of this army um so that's the only thing they're going to know about they're not going to be alive during this period of time um, so he's talking about something that you know that they won't they they won't see from an earthly perspective, and so he's finishing all that up, and he's now going back, and he's saying, "Okay, I've given you the signs that you asked for." Of course, they ask when this is going to occur. Well, all all we know is roughly when this is going to occur. Um, when these signs come to pass, um, when we start seeing these things uh, come about, then we start looking for Jesus. But he doesn't give us the exact time, only he knows. So anyway, he goes back and he says, and begins in verse 32, he says, okay, now here are all the signs, yada, yada, yada. And he says, so here's what you need to start, what man needs to start looking for in order to know this is coming. Now learn a parable of the fig tree. Now the fig tree has always represented Israel in, uh, in Scripture. He says, when his branch is yet tender and put forth leaves, you know that summer is nigh. So likewise, when you shall see all these things, know that it is near, even at the doors. Okay? He's just saying it's near. You don't know exactly when. You just know it's coming sooner than it was. You know, get ready. Because it's about to happen, you just don't know exactly when. Um, now, people have taken this prophecy in referring to Israel and talking about um, when his branches yet tender and putting forth leaves as the regathering of Israel once their nation and uh, nationality uh, recognition as a nation was reestablished after World War II in 1945. Um, and from that, you know, we people have been preaching all my all my life. I was born in 1950, so literally all my life, I've heard preachers say, "Aha, na Israel's now a nation. This means God's coming back soon. You need to look for him." Um, and uh, you, you know, he talks about the the generation that won't pass before this occurs. Verily, verily, I say unto you, in verse 34, this generation shall not pass till all these things be fulfilled. Well, here's the problem with that. 1945, now, when I first started hearing this as a young man, people were 
defining a generation as 40 years. That was a common number in Scripture, kind of represented, a, you know, like in the, the Moses and the children of Israel in the wilderness, and they, had, they roamed for 40 years, and God said, this generation won't see the new land. So within 40 years, they had all died off, and the new generation came in. So everybody was saying, see, there you go. That's, that's what he's referring to when he's talking about a generation, 40 years. Well, you know, in 1985, that 40 years passed. And, and so um, he's saying the generation that saw this nation, Israel becoming a nation in 1945, would also see the coming of the Lord. Well, that didn't happen. They didn't see it. So then people started saying, okay, well then um, 70 years is, is actually, you know, what, what he's referring to. And not 40, but, but 70 um, you know, and that's that's a multiplication of the number seven. That's completion. And, you know, there was a lot of explanation that was used in order to get that number. And they said, well, okay, so it's it's 70 years. Well, that happened to have gone by in near 2015. And now we still see Christ has not returned. So now what have we got? You know, how do we define a generation now? There's really no practical way to do it um, and link it to this 1945 incident. So I don't see how it refers to that. Maybe it's somewhat related. You know, it could also be related to um, and during the, the period of the tribulation that um, in the, the first half of the tribulation, the first three and a half years, there's peace. The Antichrist declares peace with Israel, and then at the end of that three and a half years, he turns on them. Well, maybe that's the generation that is going to see this second return, not the rapture, but the second return. So, you know, I, I, I don't really have an explanation as to what is being referred to here as a generation and, and what uh, pieces of the puzzle he's referring to. Um, but, I, you know, it, this all goes with, you know, us not really knowing. We do know that things, that prophecies have been fulfilled, things have occurred, and based on that, we got to feel like Christ is coming back soon, not to mention the fact it's 2,000 years later. Um, so, we, you know, we, we're looking for His return, but we don't know exactly when. We can't make that prediction, and you hear all these people trying to make prediction, and predictions is when He's coming back, but... But that's ludicrous. You know, nobody knows. Verse 35, heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. And then in verse 36, he really nails it down. He says, but of that day and hour knoweth no man. No, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. Nobody knows. Nobody knows. I don't care what logic they give you, how they come up with their numbers, you know, how they make their predictions. Folks, he just got through telling us that his word is not going to pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words won't. And so in his word, he says nobody knows. So, folks, take it from the word of God. Don't take it from me. Take it from the word of God. Nobody knows. And if somebody comes to you and tells you that they know, when Christ has returned, they're a cult. You know, it's not of God. They didn't get that information through Scripture. Uh, here's what he does say about it, though. He says in verse 37, But as the days of Noah were, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. And then he, he describes them. 
For as in the days that were before the flood, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark. And knew not until the flood came and took them all away, so shall also the coming of the Son of Man be. Now, now here's, here's a, a phrase I've also heard all my life, and people have misinterpreted it. Verse 40, Then shall two be in the field, and the one shall be taken, and the other left. Two women shall be grinding at the mill, the one shall be taken, and the other left. People have taken that, to, they've interpreted that as if it's the rapture, and he's coming back, and then, you know, if you're out, you know, the, my, my mom always told me that she would think of this passage as she and her sister, her older sister, they always worked together a lot in the fields. They grew up on a farm. And uh, she was always the more well-behaved. My mom was kind of the rebellious one, and so she always knew that her older sister was kind of the goody-two-shoes of the family, and she was always the one that ratted everybody else out and always trying to buddy up to Daddy and all that sort of thing. She always thought, oh, my, if the Lord comes now, you know, of the two of us, he's surely going to take her and leave me. <laughs> well, actually, it's I think it's the reverse because I think he's really referring to Armageddon, um, and then and if that's the case, what he's saying is, yes, I'll gather together my good ones, but it's it's the wicked that will be destroyed. It's the wicked that will be taken out. So, I yeah, I think it refers more to the wicked, not not to the righteous. So you know, you you can take it any way you want. As I said in this passage, he he doesn't specifically clarify everything he says as to as to the exact. Uh, timeline. He's just talking about the end times in general. Um, so he's just trying to give us a rough idea that when we're nearing the end times, and the message, of course, that you and I need to get from this is that um, he is coming back very soon. And, and, you know, by what he's saying here, you know, by interpreting this as saying he's removing the wicked instead of the righteous or, or whatever. Either way, he's preparing for the millennium. If you want to take it that he's talking about the rapture, okay, fine. You're only talking about a seven-year difference. He's still talking about the end times. So take it any way you want. The meaning here is not to establish a timeline, but to just point out what, that we're getting near those end times and to try to quibble over a seven-year difference between the rapture and the second coming. I don't think you're able to do that based on this passage right here. I just think that you and I need to know that uh, Christ is coming. And he says, watch, verse 42, he says, Watch therefore, for ye know not what hour your Lord doth come. So he reiterates what he just said, no man knoweth um, what time he comes. And, you know, we're not ever going to be able to figure that out. We just look at the day and age. I mean, look, when he talks about for us in the day of Noah, in verse 38, in the days of, of uh, you know, in the days of Noah, they, before the flood, they were eating, drinking, marrying, giving in marriage. Life was going on and they were paying no heed to the things of God. They were just enjoying the hedonistic pleasures of life. Um Marrying and giving and married, you know, I kind of see that as, as as open marriage type situations and so on. And that's what we're seeing today. People today, very, very few people even get married. They just live together. And I think we're living in the days that were very similar 
to the days prior to the flood. Okay, we're at our 15-point mark, so we're going to go ahead and close down here when we get through verse 42. So we'll try and pick up in verse, verse 43 next time we come back. Um, love you. Thanks for listening. Goodbye and God bless.